Yeah. Hi, welcome to our first chapter on the issues. We are very excited about this collaboration and especially to talk about such an important issue as education in the United States and what is the topic of DACA. Hi, Diana. Hi, Maria. Um, we'll start with introducing myself. I'm Diana Garcia. I'm a Mexican-American um, student studying at DePaul University in Chicago. Gracia Molina, an Ecuadorian who lives and studies in the Pan-American University in Guadalajara, Mexico. But uh, this chapter is for, uh, as I mentioned, to talk about the education in the United States, and especially the topic is centered in DACA. Diana, what do you know about this? What you can tell us, and what what you what you know about this uh, information? Yeah, so we'll kind of just dive straight into um, DACA. So to kind of break it down, DACA stands for Deferred Action uh, for Childhood Arrivals. So basically, what it is, it's um, a policy um, started by the initiated by the government um, of the United States. So it's supposed to benefit um, what we call dreamers. So dreamers are those um, children that entered the United States unlawfully as children. So children that um, have been living in the United States, know no other home but the United States, but do have parents living um, mainly in Mexico and different um, other, um, you know, in America, Central America. And those are around 616,000 dreamers. So it's a really big population. Um, VACA is supposed to help them get jobs by giving them like work permits, giving them um, social security numbers. It's supposed to help them apply for driver's licenses. It's supposed to also help them with their education. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of a little bit about what it is. It started back in 2012 under Barack Obama. Um, we all know that he was really heavy on um, the legal issues of immigration. So it's something that he started to try to um, help this population. But uh, they, I, I, uh, when I was investigated about this topic, I read that in the transition of Obama to Donald Trump, they have like different uh, perspectives about this, um, about DACA and what do you know about this transition, about these governments? What happened and what, what, uh, yeah, what happened with all these kids and with the DACA program in the yeah. government of Trump? Yeah, so it's definitely been a huge transition from the Obama administration to the Trump administration. Um, again, Obama's the one that started um, DACA in 2012 after he failed to um, pass what he called the Obama's Development Relief and Education for Alien Minors, which is the DREAM Act. That's where the term dreamers comes from. Um, and this was supposed to actually grant the legal status to young immigrants. Um, but then we all know the issues with um, how different Obama's administration was in Trump's administration. Once Trump took office in um, 2016, he, one of his main goals was to end DACA. So to just completely get rid of it um, and abolish it completely because of how the le legal system works in the United States, we have to go through Congress, the House of Representatives, the Senate. Um, it wasn't able to completely be ended. 
So what Trump did was that um, instead of, he just changed some of the requirements for it. And he changed some of the things of how that got work. So before Trump, um, you had to pay a fee of like about $500 um, for the application. And then it lasted about two years. So every two years you had to go back and reapply. Um, under Trump, it was one year. So every year um, you had to go back and reapply for that cap. Um, it had to be before your application expired. And then I think the biggest change under Trump was that he didn't allow any new applications. So mm -hmm. any new applicants that wanted to apply, they weren't allowed to apply. Whoever had um, DACA before Trump kept DACA. But again, like I said, there was no one else that was able to apply. So it really did hit everyone hard just because there was so, and this, there still is so many um, dreamers out there that don't have access to DACA. Um, another thing that changed under Trump was um, there was no travel requests by DACA recipients. So before Trump, sorry, before <laughs> Trump under Obama, um, again, undocumented, um, undocumented, the undocumented population here in the United States can't travel outside of the U.S. Um, but under that guy, there were special circumstances that would allow them to request for a permit to travel. Um, let's say like a loved one dies in Mexico, you know, you can request to go out um, and be there with them. Um, under Trump, that wasn't allowed anymore. Okay. So that one, um, that change right there also did hit a lot of people hard just because, um, I mean, you, you, you feel like you're stuck. You can't really go anywhere. Um, so yeah, yeah those were, like those problems, migrants that you are, like you said, like stuck in a country and, and you can go out. It, it, it kind of happened like that. Right. Yeah. Like they stayed in the United States and they can go back to Mexico and visit their families or uh, go out and travel. Right, yeah. You think that you could observe that change that or affect you in in like an, uh, an American, Mexican girl that lives in, in the United States? You think that you could observe that change between the administration of uh, Obama and the administration of Trump or not I you know it's it's different and I think it's tough because like you said for someone that's Mexican-American and that was born here the change doesn't obviously affect us um but to just like me myself I have family that you know is under that guy so it it's pretty hard when we talk about like our trips going to you know take a trip to Mexico or wherever it is and they know that they can't really follow us there. Um, so yeah. Is it, yeah, it, it affects. Here in Mexico, I think that they don't have like a program uh, similar to DACA, but I am very identified with all the process of migration because I have to renovate my, my license like to study here. And it's a process that it's heavy. It's it, it, like, it's very, very tired. And I have to renovate, I, I have to, uh, renew 
that that paper every year. So if I go back to my country, I have to come earlier to don't have that problem because there I have problems with the university and with my papers and with it coming out of the country. So yes, I, I kind of understand what they come through and what happens with the people that have problems with migration papers. Yeah, that's really, really, um, it sounds like it's really, really tough just because like I was mentioning earlier with DACA, it's, it's, it's a one-year renewal. So it's every single year you're paying, you know, almost $500. That's $500 every year, basically for the rest of your life, if you want to still be under DACA, right? And that's not even counting, like, maybe sometimes they have lawyers, um, all these other, like, um, these other places that they have to go to and these other people that they have to meet and people that have to help them out. So it really, I can only imagine how stressful and how hard that is. Um, and actually now that you bring up the topic of like you studying in Mexico, but being from a different, um, country from Ecuador, um, mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest misconceptions here in the U S that has to do with DACA is that DACA helps students. It does help students to a certain extent, but, but it does help migrant students that right. have, yes, that have problems with the papers of migration they are no legal it's different it's a different concept yeah it's completely different one of the biggest things here is um financially so citizens get financial aid right i can request um fine I, i do request financial aid at the beginning of every school year to see how much um federal loans i can get how much i qualify for what the school is going to help me out with undocumented students cannot access financial aid so you're talking about you know a student that's like for someone that wants that isn't documented that wants to attend DePaul they're spending thousands of dollars they're having to get private loans you know pay high interest rates so there's not a lot of help and I think that just puts much more stress on them because they have to work multiple jobs they have to um, really watch what they spend their money on um, just to get through school and then be stuck with the debt of going to school at the end what i understand is that DACA, DACA protects or or it applies only for kids until 16 years or i am wrong you have to be um well one of the requirements for DACA was that you had to be um you had to have been in the u.s before you turned 16 so like okay. let's say yeah let's say there was a student or like um a child that came in well not child anymore but like let's say there was a person that came in when they were 18 years old they wouldn't qualify for that because they didn't weren't in the U.S. before their 16th birthday. Hmm. Okay, I understand. Yeah, and this, there is another huge difference between the educational system in Mexico and the United States. As you mentioned, you have like this financial help because you are legally documented uh, American Mexican girl. Here, uh, in theory, I am legally Uh, an Ecuadorian uh, documented <laughs> person in, living in Mexico, but I don't have the financial assistance. I don't have that uh, opportunity here. And I think that it's not offered for that in any point of view. And actually, I don't think that it's like a, the opportunity for undocumented people 
to study here in Mexico. Actually, uh, I recently saw a, a close case that you know that is very heavy the 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 topic of migration nowadays. Yeah. We have migration of Cuba, we have migration of Venezuela, we have migration of every different, uh, very varying types of uh, country. And one friend that is Venezuelan, uh, she has to quit of the university because legally uh, here in Mexico, a university can accept an, uh, an undocumented uh, person only for six months. If they have passed those six months, they cannot be more in the university because then the university is going to have problems with migration and migration could come here and like take the people out. Yeah. And that is, is what they don't want. But we don't have like, if, if I have problems with my visa or with my documents, I don't have the opportunity more than the six months. I only have six yeah. months to fix that and to be on a university or in study. We don't have like a program that protect us or give us the opportunity for this. And Diana, you, what happened uh, next for, for the administration of Trump now that you are in the administration of Biden? What is the next step with the DACA program? What What is going to happen with that? So under Biden, um, he vowed to kind of just change that, you know, kind of like reverse all of Trump's changes. Um, and actually just not recently anymore, but about a year ago in the summer of 2020, there was a federal judge that ruled um, that new applicants were able to apply now. So it kind of opened the door to all those people that, you know, unfortunately for about three years were... Um, stuck and couldn't apply um, under Biden they were able to apply and then he extended the renewal period so from one year during Trump he extended to um, two years which was the same as under Obama the only thing here though that changes um, and kind of talking more so about the present now recently a couple of months ago in July of 2021 a judge in Texas um, ruled that the U.S. government can no longer accept new applications so it's kind of going back and forth like you know we have new applicants and then we don't and then we do for a little bit and then now we don't so currently the way that that guy is right now is um there are no new applications being approved um it doesn't affect current DACA holders it doesn't affect those that were um approved before this federal judge um ruled this which was in july 16th of 2021 um but yeah that's kind of where we're at right now with that guy so it's kind of back to where we were with Trump. Okay. So there there is no opportunity for people to have new applications the, yeah, from the DACA program. Only the, the persons that uh, could at, uh, make the application before this decision made, they are like safe. They right, are yeah. in a safe Okay. And do you think that DACA is a solution for the education system? What, what is your opinion about DACA, the, the DACA program and the education system that from our perspective, the United States is known for having the best educational public education, yeah, 
education, public education. You know, it's kind of funny that you like, and I'm glad you actually said that because you're right. There is, I feel like people that aren't in the United States say, oh, United States has the best education. And I mean, the U.S. is known for that, you know, um, that's why people want to come to the United States to kind of follow that American dream. But I think as a student, I can say um, that I don't know if I agree with that. I kind of don't. Um, I mean, I think my education has been great, but I think that there's just a lot of little things behind it that people don't really realize. Like I said, DACA is a start, but I don't think it's a solution to what's going on in terms of immigration. But because DACA doesn't... Um, it doesn't provide a pathway for dreamers to be legal, like U.S. citizens or even permanent residents. Um, so like there is no way that they can, there's no pathway for them to become citizens, to become Americans. It kind of just, I think the biggest benefit that they get from it is, again, the ability to work because um, that's huge. Um, so it's the ability to work, that social security number that they need to work. So when it comes to education itself, like I said, they don't qualify for financial aid. Um, under DACA, they don't qualify for financial aid, at least. And they also don't have a way for them to become citizens. And I think it's just, it's crazy how, like, the system works because um, there's 86% of American voters that support giving dreamers pathway to legal status. So that's a huge, huge percentage. 86% is a lot. Um, but there's still no way that, you know, they're able to do that. It is like it only solves part of the problem. But right. as, you, as you mentioned, we don't have, you don't have the, the support financially. There is no system to help you to get documents legally. And it, tell me if, if I'm wrong. I heard that so many times are people that was like you that are Mexican American that was born in the United States, but nowadays they have like 16 years old, 18 years old, and they stayed they are not documented, they are not legally American. They have these problems of migration and like they are safe for part of the of the of the juventud. The youth, yeah, they're youth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and but then they like they have these problems for continue the superior education, like university, like a degree, la etc. There is no program for forward and and basic education. Yeah, that is a big thing. So if we're when we're talking about like um like kindergarten through 12th grade, which in Mexico, I'm assuming would be like la primaria through like la secundaria, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're okay there. They're safe there. We have public school systems. Um, they can even go into private school systems, which it's just, it's a little more money, but um, like the public school system is fine. They obviously get an education that way, but there's a lot of kids. Like I said, there's a lot of kids that, I mean, these kids don't, know any other home but the U.S., right? They came in here and documented when they were little. A lot of them don't even realize that they're undocumented until they turn 15, 16. They start looking for jobs. They start um, wanting to, like, do things that 
their peers are doing that they can't do. Um, so I think it, it gets really tricky once you get into higher education, which is like university, college, things like that. So I think kind of going back to what you said about the U.S. having um, the best education system, I think the U.S. has maybe the best opportunity system. I think that there's a lot of opportunities here, but it it kind of stinks because these these undocumented students, you know, these DACA holders are limited when it comes to opportunities because they can't do the same things that someone that is documented can do. So yeah, I think that, that... And that affects on the style of living and what yeah. is going to happen next, the opportunities of... Actually, what they... The, the, why they come to, to... Why they go to United States that is the dreamers. They are not going to have that dream come true, actually. It's only for a period limit of time. It's yeah, that, that, yeah. that it's controversial. <laughs> they, they call dreamers, but actually their dreams are limits. Right. That is 100% true. Yeah, they're called dreamers. They come and dream and they're limited. You know, they tell you reach for the sky or reach for the stars, but you can't. You can't because they don't allow you to or they don't give you a way to do that yeah and for the persons that are going to listen this there are not only mexican that are applying for daca program yes they are more percentage of this but actually mexico is the 81 percent salvador is for four percent guatemala three percent honduras two percent and peru one percent and actually, I think that that number could increase with what we are mentioned uh, before. That is that nowadays is a lot of immigration in South America, in Central America, in actually whole in the whole world. Yeah. What what is happening right when right now is very interesting, but at the same time, it worries a lot of people because we have a lot of movements of migration of a lot of parts of the world that some countries have the capacity for receiving them, but others, they don't have to. And we, like, this is a circle and they look forward to go to the United States and see an opportunity there and look forward their dreams, so. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. Um, like you said, they're really limited in their dreams. But it kind of, I think it's just the whole system needs a whole, like, to be reworked because, again, these these dreamers, you know, I said, they, they can't attend college, right? And a lot of them start working right away. So then you look at, like, the statistics where it's like, oh, you know, Latinos don't enroll in college or like there's a low percentage of Latinos in universities and graduation rates are low but it's like okay but why are they low why can't they enroll like you kind of have to focus on the why instead of like the what um so I think in order for just the United States to be better in terms of education in the United States with Latinos and undocumented students I think that's where you have to start is just asking yourself why why yes and actually, that is a question that I think that everyone has to make themselves and what they are doing and where they are studying. For example, I think that I, yes, I have more opportunities here in Mexico to develop what I want to do than in Ecuador. Ecuador is, is little. I don't 
I don't think that is limited, but we have a lot of transition of governments that is an issue. And I think that that happens in all the world, but actually I can tell that my best decision was to go study in, in another country and to achieve what I want in the sense of career, a student, I don't know, professional. And I think that I have more opportunities, more contacts, more everything here than in my country. And yes, that, that happens in, in very different ways. Some people go from the undocumented process because they don't have another way to do it. Um, but we hope that that could change with the time. Yeah. yeah, we do hope. And we can only, I mean, I feel like at this point, that's all we can do is just hope, push the government and hope that that does change. You have like this hope in the in Biden's administration? Um. Yes, I do. I, I think I did at the beginning. I think now things are a little slower than they were. Um, it's hard. It's hard to have hope just because, you know, they tell you a bunch of things and then they end up not doing half of the things they said they were going to when they were running for president. But um, I think I did have hope. I think after after that happened in July with the judge in Texas, kind of going back to um, taking things away from that guy, I think that that's where I kind of started to lose hope. But um. We still have a couple of years left under Biden, so I, I do hope that we can do at least something to keep moving forward. Yes, we all hope that that <laughs> would improve and actually do a, a real change for the persons that actually need it, nor yeah. the nor the persons that want to take advantage of it, but the ones that need it. Right, yeah. So thanks to everyone that listened to us and remember to follow us on our Instagram account on the Asians 020. And thank you, Diana, for this wonderful collaboration and for sharing your point of view with us and your experience. And what I think, I know that this DACA is new for you that as you mentioned me before, but I think that is really important to know the different point of view of persons that are living in the United States and yeah, how yeah. they are the perspective of DACA and persons that are in another country and what they know about that. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking about, you know, the differences between the United States and Mexico. And yeah, like I said, just thank you for having me and I hope everyone does go follow our Instagram account. <laughs> thank you, Diana. Okay, 